road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedy Kind. Hello, welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host today, Heather Mosier. In the studio with me is my wonderful featured guest, <laughs> <laughs> Donnie Mosier, my husband. He's hello, hello. Better. Thank, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, Donnie was absent last week. He had a little bit of a. A health scare. Medical scare, yeah. Yeah. And he had to stay overnight in the hospital. I think he was just trying to get away from me for a night, but he says that it was real. Uh, I mean, we're going to stick to that. <laughs> so they thought you had um, a TIA or a mini stroke. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then... Um That got broadcast to all of our friends, and everybody was worried, and then it turned out I had some sort of a vertigo event. Vertigo, because your CT scan, your MRI, your blood work, your EKG, everything was perfect and good and healthy, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. For now. For now. We'll see how this show goes. You're not going to be able to spend that life insurance just yet. (laughs) Um, So it's funny you bring up life insurance because the topic today is money. Money. Gosh, Money. that's a big, I don't know if it's a big topic for everyone, but in recovery, that's a big topic. It's a huge topic. I, th- I think, because here's the thing about like drugs and alcohol, you can choose to become abstinent, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, this sort of addiction of money, mm, it's not possible to be abstinent. As an adult, you have to make money, you have to spend money, everybody has bills. It's kind of like food, if you have a, an addiction to food. Yep. Abstinence is not going to work, but oftentimes the 12-step model and the spiritual principles behind that still work. That's why there's fellowships for that, too. Spending money can be spiritual. It can also be therapy. (laughs) I don't think so. They call it retail therapy, right? Yeah. And so let's talk about specifically, let's focus on the problem first. We'll get to the solution later. Let's talk about some financial problems. When, When I met you, you are definitely the spender. Yeah, I may have had around seventy or eighty thousand dollars in credit debt, consumer debt. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I did. And so, if for our listeners, if you are the saver, if you are the frugal one, and you're you know married to or living with someone that's the spender, I feel for you because I do, I do too. And it's kind of this constant battle of trying to be yin and yang and figure out where the compromise is supposed to be. And when your loved one quote relapses <laughs> and goes off rails and spends. Uh, it makes me feel <clears throat> chaos. Mm. I, I, I panic inside when when I notice the spending or, or whatever. When we met, you, like you said, you had 77000 in consumer credit debt. I remember when we were first dating. Um, <laughs> you couldn't believe how much debt I had, but I was still in a spending mode, and yeah. you were okay with it then. It wasn't until we yeah. really were like, okay, we're going to make a commitment here. You're like, okay, so <laughs> this, is, this is our debt. <laughs> Well, we'll get into that later because it has to go away. I, I needed to feel like security around it, um, yeah. and so that's one of those human instincts is security. And I needed to know that we were kind of on the same page because most divorces happen due to financial reasons. Yeah, I mean, you and I argue over money all the time. <laughs> yeah, we still do. And so let's talk about the problem. So why do people overspend? Coming from a spender, you, what's what's the payoff? Like literally, like why do you buy things? Here's the weird thing: is that I will get something in my mind, 
and it becomes an obsessive thought. And mm-hmm. I will tear up the interwebs going to the furthest reaches <laughs> just to find that thing, the perfect one, the thing that I need with the accessories. I've saw, I saw you do that recently this month, uh, last couple months with the, the gun and the mountain bike that, that, that you've bought. Well, I, those were necessary. <laughs> no, they weren't. They were things that you wanted. And I saw you research and drive here and drive there. And- Here's the thing. If it's like, okay, Donnie, your wife has this illness. I'm going to be like, cool, whatever you say. But if it's like, Donnie, what kind of gun do you want? Now I'm going to research. <laughs> I'm going to really figure this out. And so do you think that that's materialistic? Do you think that that's materialism, the character defect? I think that it's, um, of course, I mean, partially, but yeah. I think there's there's other aspects to it. Um, I I love guns, right? And I, and I carry a gun mm-hmm. and I want something that's <clears throat> comfortable and safe and, and accurate to shoot. And, uh, and I'd wanted this one for a while, right? Yeah. And... I did this about a year ago uh, where I'm just tearing up the interwebs to find it, and I couldn't. And then we just said, you know what? When they come back in stock, I'll get it. I'm willing to wait. But I think I made you make a deal on that. I did. I made a deal with you because um, it was out of stock everywhere. And so you were going to overpay like triple significantly, like whatever, to get it. it. And we made the agreement that if you waited when it went back down to normal retail price, you could get it whenever that was. Right. And And so that that just happened happened. (laughs) to be Christmas time this year. (laughs) Right. But I mean, I think it's this idea that I, I get this idea that I need said thing, right? So I've been riding a mountain bike since around 2002, 2003. I've had three different mountain bikes in that time, which is a fairly good record, right? And it's a good hobby. It's a good hobby. Yeah, I'm not a mountain bike crazy person, but I used to ride off-road a lot, and over the last few years, over the last several years, I really only ride on path, uh, on road, if you will. And so, um, and I'm wanting to put more distance on it, so I wanted to get something that was more for, you know, White Oak Bayou Path or yeah. not a, an off-road bike so I could so have different So you're justifying gear. your purchase to me and our listeners yet again, and that's, that's <laughs> what I experience. It's like when you get this idea, you latch on like a pit bull, and you will go on and on and on about how this one thing makes sense. I did this one right, though. I came home and I I'm said, hey, we have to have a serious talk. And you got nervous. You're like, oh, gosh. Well, I was like, yeah, I'm, I need a bike and I'm going to go ahead and get <laughs> and that. So I remember I said, OK, sell the other one. No. And, nope. You wanted both. No. I'm, listen, I haven't been off road in about five years, but I may <laughs> want to go off road at some point in time. You decided to be the connoisseur of mountain and road bikes. Well, it's a hybrid, uh, oh. so that means that leaves the category of mount, of road bike open. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm not saying, you know, we're just... So I just think people do get at that idea in their head. It can be food. It can be things, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, if I just eat that dessert or, oh, if I just bought that bike or that gun, there's this idea of, you you know, the payoff is the pleasure reward sensory. It's like, oh, I have this thing. This will get me happy. This is, you know. And it lasts anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then it sets in. You know, what have I done? I've done that with new husbands. I'll get a new husband about 30 (laughs) seconds later. I'm like, what did I do? (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant. 
Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. My husband, Donnie, is with us today in studio. We're talking about money. Mm. Money, finances, being responsible with it or not, being addicted to buying things or not. Before the break, we were talking about this delusion that if I just buy I did, this wait, thing... Did we, did we say delusion? Did we already label it? I'm going to label it a delusion. Okay, fine. I'm going to label it a delusion because it's like because it doesn't last. That's why it's a delusion. But it does bring me ease, comfort, and happiness for a short period. And that's what heroin so and alcohol just, did for me. If I just keep it's buying not real. things, it's not real I can content- make it last. It's not real contentment. No, it's not. It's a Band-Aid on the internal struggle. Yeah, because I have this idea that if I just get that hybrid bike mm-hmm. that's for concrete and it's got a higher gear ratio, I'm going to go faster. But what happened gonna... after you bought that bike, boo? What happened? Then you needed the $400 bike rack on the back of your truck. Yeah, I and didn't then... check that out. <laughs> yeah, but... and now you got all these problems transporting it. We don't anymore. It's all We, we fixed all what that. What did you buy? <laughs> we, we took the bike rack back and I got a $29 mountain. We're good. So we're But good. that's my point. It's like, okay, so materialism is, is one way. Like, I know a lot of people, they call it keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Like, you'll see neighbor Bob and he just got the new RV or neighbor Troy and he just got the new mo- I, motorcycle. I, I mean, I see that. I see that a lot. I don't think I fall for that. No, I'm just saying the general public, maybe yeah. our listeners do. Because you got to look at your motive in spending. If you're always Well, because you wishing, see that person with their thing and you see their outside appearance of happiness and you're mm-hmm. like well I want that or you see the Instagram or the Facebook post mm, yeah. of this snapshot of look at my nails or look at my new purse or look at my RV yeah. or look at you know and it's like there's that delusion woven into society especially social media that that equals happiness right so that's why I call it a delusion because happiness as you know does not lie in external things happiness Correct. is always an internal job that's our experience right I, I did think that um, subconsciously for a very long time that if I just had this mm-hmm. or I just had that, yeah. then I'm going to be okay. That was like operating, like a like an operating system in the back of my head working for years and years and years. But when I start yeah. to examine it, and you call this a delusion. Yeah, it's a psychotic belief. And I start to break that delusion. I start to look at the truth and go, oh, wait a minute. Okay, well, I got that, and I was happy for a week, maybe two, and then it was back to normal, and it was just a thing, and then I looked at the next thing. Mm -hmm. Then you start to really look at, okay, so these external things are not bringing me happiness. Right, and I think that it goes back to happiness being an inside job, and and if you're not content with what you already have, you're not going to be content with what you add on top of it. So that's the that's why like you, you'll see some of the richest, most miserable people in the world, and you go to another country and a poor child playing with a tire and a stick, and they're just lit up with joy, right? Like right. happiness isn't an external thing, and if that's the lie that you believe, then you're going to keep searching for piling on those things. Like like with yours, it was materialistic things and toys, but for me, it was like if I just get the right husband or just the right number of kids. Thank or the God right... you did. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, God is real. He sent me to you. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, that was the lie that I believed. If I could just work from home, if I could just this, if I yeah. could just that. I was always trying to arrange my ducks in a row because I thought then I'd be happy. And what I realized is I was never going to be happy trying to arrange those ducks. I had to have, like, these spiritual principles. But that eluded me for a long time. Well, that and that became real clear to me. Um, we won't say divorce. When I had the corporate breakup before I met you. <laughs> Definitely a real divorce. That was divorce. Uh, okay, so in my last marriage, I had um, a very large house in a, in a very nice community, 
I had all the stuff, right? We had expensive furniture. I had the RV, the motorcycle, new cars in the driveway, mm-hmm. a very large RV, a Harley Davidson Street Glide in the garage. Um, and I was so discontent. I was so unhappy, and none of those things brought me joy. And then, uh, and then I, I get out of that, and I leave that. Uh, you and I get together, and because I went ahead and gave all my stuff away, as uh, you generally do in a divorce. <laughs> Is that what they call it? Money, things. You just kind of <laughs> just stay here. You can have it all. Um, I started with nothing. And when you and I, I rented a house, mm-hmm. um, and we literally had one couch. It was faux leather with the faux oh, leather ripping off. Oh, it was so horrible. Off. Hold on. Let me elaborate on this <laughs> one couch we had. And I'm grateful your brother gave us this couch, right? Did, Love yeah. your brother. But this, it was faux leather that was years and years old. And it was like the leather, fake leather was peeling off most yeah. of the couch. So yeah. it was like flappy everywhere. Yes. And you had to put a blanket over it to even sit down. Otherwise, you had flakes of fake leather stuck to you. The, the dog wouldn't even lay on it. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not doing it. That's what we had. That's what we had in the we living room. We had that. We had a bed, a, a dresser that was falling apart. The bottom drawer wouldn't even come out of it. You would get mad and kick it all the time. And that was basically, <laughs> that was all we had. That was it, yeah. And here's the thing is that I was so discontent. And when I left that marriage, when I started doing some real spiritual work, when I started looking to God to fulfill me instead of these external things. You got happy. I started to find real content, and it hit me the day that I was sitting in the living room on this faux leather couch, staring at an empty wall. I had nothing. We we had nothing. Yeah. Um, it hit me that I was like completely okay in my own skin. I was completely content. I didn't need to be anywhere or have anything. I was just in that moment mm-hmm. completely okay. I identify because the same ha- thing happened to me. Um, I, when I flew to Texas to go to treatment, how I ended up here, I came with a trash bag and a, and a duffel bag that wouldn't zip. Looking like Axl Rose. <laughs> I may have had a you know a bandana tied to my forehead when I flew here uh, from Oklahoma. And so, but looking at that later, after I had like worked the steps and gotten sober and gotten spiritual direction in my life, and I was practicing these principles, some of my happiest memories ever. I'm 34 years old. I'm living with 12 women in a sober house. I don't have a driver's license. <laughs> like I have nothing. And I'm so happy. Yeah. I'm so content. I had the internal peace finally for the first time in my life. The only time I have seen you be very picky about a purchase Mm. is when we were buying a house. Yeah. You were pretty picky about that. But otherwise, yeah, you're pretty content without the external stuff. Yeah. You always, we would fight because you always want the newest color of Vans. Well, I need, I need a color to go with everything I'm wearing because I'm crazy, supposed to match. And it's crazy because I'm like, I'm the girl and I got like five pairs of shoes and, and you would have to have them in all these colors and, and we're just different that way. But let's talk about, I want to shift to other reasons people might overspend and their motives. And mm. one thing I want to talk about is like buying love. Maybe, yeah. maybe the things aren't for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're constantly buying things for other people. No, I don't. I don't do that. I know at all. you don't do that. Oh. But just think for a moment, like hypothetically, outside of me, outside of you, someone who <laughs> would do that. Okay. What's their motive? Oh, it's it. It always goes back to self, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a form of self. It's um, let me buy this for you so that you like me, so mm-hmm. that you love me, so that you care about it's me. It's people pleasing. It's martyrdom. 
that yeah. there there is always a self-centered motive unless you're financially secure enough to to be able to do all of those things without any repercussions but yeah. even then even if you are financially secure it's really good to look at your motives because like from the drug addict alcoholic world a lot of times we see family members making the mistake of paying for or doing too much mm-hmm. for someone thinking that they're helping them but they're enabling them to never be responsible for themselves correct you and i might have a relative that literally made the statement of you know how come they don't treat me better look at all i do for them or look at all i give them or yeah. look and it's like well what is your what's your motive right right yeah. i remember that he was like well, well look at what all i've done look at what i pay mm-hmm. for look at what you know and i'm like oh then that was your motive for them to love you then rather right. than i just want to help this They're person just wanting to do it yeah wanting to do and it and we see that a lot in like sober living of parents that are enabling their their teenage son or or adult son right Right. (laughs) or adult daughter um where they're trying to buy their love because the payoff is this person is happy with me and this person loves me and then there's also just this um i think that there's also over generosity at times i think Mm -hmm. there's people that just really have no value for money whatsoever which is good that's great right but then they don't think about their future at all right in the moment, I'm just going to spend everything I just have. Just live like this is the last moment ever and Not have no retirement. Yeah. yeah, who cares? So let's. when I met you, like you said earlier, you had 77000 in consumer credit debt. And I mean, allegedly. You definitely did. I wrote or did the numbers, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> and when I saw that, and you have a really good career, you make decent money, and I didn't feel like that Wait. should... I think I make really good money. I think you make, I was trying to be humble. Oh, there you go. Oh, I'm just over here being (laughs) humble. Okay, sorry, go ahead. And so uh, I was just thinking, how does this happen? Like, we have to get back on track and get on the same page, right? And so when we come back from this break, I'm going to dive into how I fixed Donnie's financial ruin. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) We'll be right back. It was disastrous. featured guest, my husband Donnie. We're talking about money. So, I fixed Donnie. Oh. <laughs> no, I didn't at you all. You just over there being humble? <laughs> right? All right, so let's back up four years to that moment when I realized you have all this debt and you're a spender and, and we're going to get married and we're trying to figure out how to navigate that. I remember before we even tied the knot, I was like, here's all of my accounts. Here's a login. If you can fix it, you do it because I can't. Because I was just trying to figure out what all was there. You didn't know a tally. You didn't know how much you owed on what. You didn't. Why know would how many, you want to total that up? You didn't know how many credit cards you had or what their balances oh. or what their interest rate was. And full disclosure about me, when I was like 19, I had bought a house. And I had went into a little bit of debt, you know, go into those furniture stores where you finance things and you, you know, fill up your house for, you know, $32 a month or whatever. And then I had found a program called Dave Ramsey. To, it's like seven baby steps to financial freedom. And you did like the, the money makeover or he something? He wrote a couple books, Total Money Makeover, uh, Financial Peace University, churches around the world do it. Uh, so I found this in my mid-20s. And it sounded really prudent and responsible to me. And um, I was very poor back then. And 
I really wanted to manage and not live such dollar to dollar lifestyle. So I like I like the idea of just running a card through the register thing and not do. really knowing what's going I know on in you the do. background. And that's actually a, it's like a magic card. It's not a magic card. You have to put money in the account for there to be money yeah. there. Um, and so I was debt free already. Uh, and so when I figured out your situation and you, you kind of let me do my investigation. And I came back to you with all these totals and I was like, hey, I want to do the seven baby steps to financial freedom. And you were like, no, that's stupid. (laughs) I don't remember that. You absolutely were against it. I was trying to describe to you what the baby steps are and why. And you disagreed with everything until I got you to read the book. Don't you remember? Once you read the book, you were sold. That is true. Yeah, you were like, oh, I had all this misconception about money, about leasing vehicles, about this or that. Here's what I remember. We started around August that year and by the I don't know I just remember August through like maybe January February were the most hell I've ever been through in my life (laughs) because so what you decided to do which was brilliant on your part is you gave me control of all the finances full control because you know that you're not good at it you're just not and so he gave me complete financial control, and and I started the baby steps. The first baby step is you save $1,000. It's like a baby emergency fund. It's yeah. not because that's what every emergency costs. It's simply to prove you can do it. And I remember, like, that was the first really cool thing to me, because I've never had $1,000 <laughs> cash saved anywhere. And it, which is ridiculous for, you know, what you do. And yeah. so we get past baby step one, we go into baby step two, and I think, I don't remember what year. I know it was like September of whatever that year was was it 2018 or 19 i think it was 18 i think it was 18 yeah and and you gave me control and, and we spent the first month just tallying what we spend and it was crazy <laughs> because we had, I had to no get, idea we had to get on a budget yeah we had to get on a strict budget and we honestly didn't know where all the money was going oh so, everywhere so the first month or two was just tracking that to figure it out i think our i think we were spending somewhere around 1400 just in eating out yeah it was crazy it was crazy and so then we went back around month two to three able to like say here's the adjustments we're going to make now that we know what we're spending we're able to project the next month's budget and try to like tweak it and the whole dave ramsey thing for baby step two is called the debt snowball yeah and so you list your debts from the smallest to the largest regardless of interest rate and every extra dollar, extra penny that you can scrounge that month, that goes to that smallest debt. Yeah. Once the smallest debt is paid off, that money and all your extra money rolls into the second, and it keeps how much, snowballing. How much did we argue when we started this? A we lot. Argued a lot, right? Like every time we sat down, we argued. We tried to do the budget together uh, to be on the same page. And Never have been, by the way. We've never. <laughs> every, to this day. To this day. Uh, and the, our system works as long as he lets me do my thing and he... And I don't try to talk to him about it. I was going to say, how do, how do you ruin our system? <laughs> I ruin our system by trying to bring you updates yeah. around things I've paid off or what I'm doing. Yeah, if it's like, okay, so, and I'm sure our listeners have the same magic hamper at home, right? You have this magic hamper where you throw your dirty clothes in it, and then like a day or so later, it's just empty and your clothes are putting away. It's like magic, right? Husband number four is approaching quickly because <laughs> this <laughs> is the same way. It's not I a magic camper. This is the same way I want to deal with my money. Right? I, I want to make the money and I want it to go into an account and I want all the accounting to magically happen. <laughs> it and doesn't. You do that well, so and you don't you don't have attention to detail for it. I now that I have a system, um, here's what's cool. I think it took us about two two and a half years, and I paid off your seventy seven thousand. Yeah, paid off debt free. Yeah, um, and 
and it was because we made a lot of sacrifices. Oh, rice and I beans. I couldn't buy any stuff. You could not buy any things. You got like I don't know, hundred or two hundred dollar fund money a month. You got an allowance. And I so did a, I. Yeah, I didn't have an allowance as a child, but I had one as a forty-something-year-old man. <laughs> because you needed that. You needed that accountability. Yeah, and. Uh, I think our biggest fight was that you're sitting down and you budget every month and you're literally spending time and you're thinking, okay, I think I'm going to do my stitch fix this month and I'm going to, well, I'm going to need to get my nails done and you're budgeting, you're putting everything in the month and it would be like week one of that month. And I'm like, Hey, so by the way, I want to buy this thing. And you're like, that's not in the budget. And I'm like, you know what? And you're always like, make it happen. You get what you want. And I'm like, I budgeted for it. I knew that this was coming. I'm like, well, then put it in the budget. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, it'll be a next month's budget if <laughs> I can get you to wait. was probably our biggest argument because I never prepared ahead. I didn't take that time What to I've do learned it. about this experience with you is that there are no two people on exactly the same page or same idea with money at any given time, but it's about compromise. I, for me, it's about complete surrender. It's literally <laughs> surrendering and saying, you know what? When the money was in my hands, mm-hmm. I had amassed, um, um, amassed a large mm-hmm. pile of debt. But when the money is in your hands, we have cash and savings and our bills are paid. And yeah. and so it was really a surrender to go, you know what, fine. I can't get that this month. Cool. Can you put it in for next month? Fine. And I don't know if it's just like a gift God gave me or if because I grew up so poor. Because I know you grew up poor too, but I think that you just kind of went the opposite way. Now that you have money, you just really like to enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> and and I'm just bit. like, no, what about retirement? What about, you know, a year from now and this vacation we might be able to afford or what, you know, I just really see debt uh, as dumb. I, I see it as a ball and chain. It's it's yeah. it's kind of like a trap, just like a drug or alcohol addiction. Like you're strapped to it, yeah. and, and and then the things own you. And that's really what what it came down to is that I had a job that was definitely six figures, and when I met you, I was living paycheck to paycheck. And with I thought no that cash. that was crazy. Uh, and so you did the smart thing, like I said, and you gave me control, and we paid it all off in two and a half ish years. Yeah. And then um, we decided it was time to buy a house, but and then I got this amazing job at Matthew's Help, and we were driving back and forth to Oklahoma a lot. And, and now everything's better, and we don't argue about money, and everything's perfect. <laughs> Not true. So we decided oh. to bend the program and we chose to go back into debt and bought me a new car yeah and to this day it still bothers me like a ball and chain like i i know that we needed it we did not have a second you're very black and white about it you're very like it's either all this way or it's all this way but never and i'm black and white about many 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 things as well but that was what i tried to i think the first time you went into the gray on the budget is when we were wanting to buy a house, we were paying off all the debt, but we weren't spending anything on credit. Therefore, my credit rating was plummeting. Mm-hmm. Well, that was partially my genius and brilliance as well. Because Didn't you just read it online? <laughs> no, listen, what happened was when we were paying off debt, we knew we were going to buy a house in, You know, at the end of this. And when you pay off debt, or don't use credit cards, your credit score actually drops. So because the system the wants system you spending rigged. money. The system yeah. wants you spending money. They want you to owe money. So like a debt, a credit score is actually like, I love debt score. Yeah. You have to be charging and spending every month for this to go up. And so when we paid off all your debt, and we closed 11 accounts. Yeah, I don't know if you realize this, 11 credit card accounts and your credit score started to plummet. So I tweaked the baby step system and I decided to get a prepaid credit card of a specific type just for gas well, and groceries. Well, not prepaid. It's, uh, we pay it off every month. Right. But what I'm saying is we had to pay for it. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. There's like yeah, a membership yeah. fee or you know, whatever. One of those cards. That company. They all know which one it is. Okay, so we get this one type of credit card, and, and every month all of our gas and, and groceries get charged on this card. It's money we're spending anyway. And it gives us points on top of that. And so then uh, I pay that off every month, the full balance. I never carry a balance on it. And we did that while we were paying off the debt. And, and Within three months, my credit score had gone up. up like, yeah, 60, 70 <laughs> points. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I was like, okay, here's the system. We'll play the game. Yeah, you know, and and so we had to tweak it in that way, but it really. And so wait, I want to talk about too that this brought about a second sort of recovery. Yeah, right. So we had already recovered from drugs and alcohol, and we're living in that system. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that drugs and alcohol gave us was a release, ease yeah. and comfort. And so of course, I went into sobriety debt free and built all of that debt in, in sobriety, sobriety because it gave me ease and comfort mm-hmm. to spend that money. Right. And so now I'm stripping that away. God is stripping that away. I got to grow more. You have to spiritually grow. Ugh. You have to learn the stewardship of that and the pr- spiritual principles behind money. I didn't want to. And you <laughs> you were a good sport. I you're, was. you're always I did very it. willing and I think that that's what we're going to look at. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We'll be right back. Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier, and my guest, featured guest, sorry. Featured guest. Featured guest. Lord? My, no. Lordship? Definitely not happening. So my financially irresponsible husband, Donnie Mosier, is our other <laughs> guest today, and we're talking about money. <laughs> and so I want to talk to you. Okay, so Christmas is coming up. Yes. Everybody. The reason I chose to do this as a topic today is because everybody's spending money. Can I Christmas... tell you why this is the greatest month of the entire year? <laughs> why? This is why. Okay, this is what I have figured out. Everybody spends more money between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. And I capitalized on it. You did. I did. I told you, look, we have been doing all these baby steps. We've been cleaning up all this debt. There's things I've wanted that I haven't gotten. And when we sat down to quickly talk about December's budget, because we keep it 50,000 foot. We keep it up because when we get into the details, we argue. And I just let you handle it, right? Yeah. Because you're good at it. So. I said December is going to be a show. You we said are gonna, it's going to be messy. And it has been, and I have never been happier. Like, it's I love delicious. the month. Of, no, I'm, no, this is genuine happiness. So this is not for me. So that's what I wanted to talk about is holiday <laughs> spending because my lovely husband came to me and like totally convinced me that, hey, we're so responsible. We're so good. We have this money in the bank. All this debt's paid off. We only owe on your car. Let's just live a little. Mm-hmm. For Christmas. And, well, I've been living. And what it turned out is he meant he wanted a new mountain bike and he wanted a new gun and he wanted new golfing clubs and he needed ammo and, and buy and buy and buy and buy. And my cigar humidor is restocked. Oh, yeah. So let me just not even talk about the month you spent $600 <laughs> on cigars. <laughs> Listen. God wants it that way. No, he doesn't. That's self-centered. You're a liar, Listen, and I will call you out on it. There was a priest this one time who wrote an article You're that said lying. that you never talked to a priest. men, it was in an article that men that smoke either. cigars live 10% longer. No. So what I, the reason I want to bring this up is because this month's spending has really bothered me. Like Not you me. said, you're happy. I am panicked. Right. And so I wanted to look up the recent stats on how much the average American family spends on Christmas. 
and it says that the average uh, American family will plan to spend $997 this year, which is down 5% from pre-pandemic spending. Um, This falls into three major categories. You're buying gifts for family and friends, or it's non-holiday purchases like greeting cards, decorations, or food, and other non-gift purchases like something for yourself. And so we're looking, that's about $1,000 that people, the average American family spends on Christmas. And I'm looking at that compared to the damage we've done <laughs> this month. I'm really happy you said we. <laughs> well, Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, you know, this is a we thing. We're a team. We're married. Yeah. I, I made the decision to make these same purchases with you. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it wasn't all you. There were right. some things I got. I got a purse. You sure did. <laughs> some clothes and yeah. And, but I don't buy clothes all year. So here's my rationale, right? But that's literally what I was looking yeah. at. I'm like, okay, look, I, we have really been frugal. And But I, here's my point, though. You sell me on it and I believe you. Whether it's a delusion or not, I don't know at this point. But now that we've done it and we've spent the money, now I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to spend the next six months cleaning this up to get us back to where we were in November 2021, you know? And so now there's where my my black and white thinking really comes into play. It's like now I got to do the work to get us back where we should have been if we hadn't spent this. Which, I mean, I always have buyer's remorse. We're going to be okay. It's not going to take too long. We'll be fine because for me, it's a frame of mind. I knew that I was going to go completely financially off rails in December. I didn't. I didn't mentally prepare. And I, I like couldn't prepare you. That's not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. And and so I know that we will get back to your black and white frugal plan come January and we'll be out of, you know, you'll pay it off and we'll move on down the road. But here's the thing that always is in my mind is that. Yes, I love being debt free. I love the fact that you have money in our savings. Everything is paid. Like it, it takes fear, and it takes a lot off of my mind. Yeah. By the same token, that one thing that you read on Facebook by that, that in that Dave Ramsey thing is always in my mind. The the lady that said, you know, oh, her husband had passed away. They became debt free. They were on this plan for years, mm-hmm. and then he. Uh, abruptly died unexpectedly at the end of it when they paid it it all off they didn't get to enjoy any of it and And she she said my one regret my one regret is that he's not here to enjoy any of this with me that we didn't live life while he was alive and so that's the balance i'm always trying to find in our yin and yang of our extremes (laughs) your spending and my frugal is i still want to live life with you and and i don't want to not plan for the future, but I want to be responsible with today because what always eats at my conscience is to whom much is given, much is expected. And so, did you write that? I didn't. Oh, okay. I didn't. Yeah. And so, if God gives me a certain thing or a certain person or a certain bank account or a certain job, God's expect. It's like stewardship. It's the principle of stewardship. God's loaning it to me mm-hmm. to see what I'll do with it. And, and to whom much is given, much, the more God gives me, the more God's going to expect of me. And so I think that if I'm irresponsible with $100, I'm going to be irresponsible with $10,000. Completely agree with you. And if I'm and if I'm discontent with having $100, I'm still going to be discontent with having $10,000. Because yet again, I'm not going to change my internal condition with some external circumstances. Right. And so uh, this other book uh, always says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm. And when we look at that, it's like I said earlier, the Bible, oh, sir, okay. it's the right. Bible, and it says that the love of money, not money, 
Having well, a good uh, job or having income or having... That's worship. The worship, the worship of money. The worship of it. Yeah. What do you worship? What are you focused on? When you're spending time alone, uh, what's popping in your head? Is it the newer toy or the bank account? Well, or? And the, the pendulum swings both ways, yeah. right? Because you have the guy like me who may want to go out and just buy everything he can get his hands on. And then you also have the guy that does not spend any money, makes his family suffer, and is a miser to build a pile of wealth... Mm-hmm. All in the name of security. Right. Right. And, and so, so we're both worshiping money. Right. In one way or another. And so yeah. you've got to find that balance. Uh, and I think that, that you really take that into, I've had to take that into a lot of prayer and meditation for asking God to convict me on what's appropriate, what he, what his will is. Have you been convicted? And I've been convicted specifically about like the amount that we tithe, mm. which is not, not 10%. We, and we've had mm-hmm. multiple conversations yep. about it. Um, we just joined this new church, and so I really feel uh, convicted that we could give more and do more. Well, and now that I have my gun, my bicycle, and my <laughs> golf clubs, you're for it. yeah, I think it's a great wow. idea. <laughs> so what do you think true financial responsibility looks like in a broad sense? Wow. Um, you know what? I think that the very first thing you have to do, it's it's a it's a... It's a high wire balancing act because you have to balance not worshiping money and things Mm -hmm. while at the same time being responsible um, and not just being, I don't care about money, just give it all away. Who cares, right? So if I just went and did that and I didn't consider my family and their needs, then I'm not helping the situation either. So I I don't know. I, I think that. I think it's a, it's a moment by moment, day by day type of thing where it's like, you know, what makes sense? Okay, so um, I, I make this income, so we know that we have these fixed bills every month and we pay them, and here's what's left over. You know, why don't we tithe a larger amount before we dip yeah. for the fun stuff? Right. Why don't we make it a fixed bill so that we don't have a choice? Yeah. You know, and then when it comes to giving money away, just friends that need it, family that needs it, um, you have shown me, you showed me, right? Because I like to spend it all on me. Yeah, you do. And you like to spend it on others. Yeah. You're really good with it. And um, and it feels good when we do that. Like, it, it really just does. really brings joy to, like, my soul if if – if I see it like a need being met by somebody or something that we can do for somebody that that just helps them, and it's the same way. Look, if I my biggest problem is selfish and self centeredness, then I if I do the opposite of that, which is give away of mm-hmm. myself, yeah. it's the same with money. If I'm a miser or I'm I want to just spend it all on me, when I start giving it away, it starts to work against. I remember that. back when we were dating and and we were having a t- conversation about tithing. You were like a new Christian, and I remember you was like you asked like, well, what if God wants me to give everything away? Yeah. You were like worried yeah. that that was going to be God's will, that you had oh. to be like poor with nothing and like Thank rags on. Thank God you were there. Thank God. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not what God's requiring of you, obviously. Right. Otherwise, he would convict you of that. He really just wants me to put him first and he'll put it on my heart. And yeah. and, and I think there's, there's, there's the answer is that if I'm in connection with spirit, if I'm in connection with God, Mm-hmm. I'm going to intuitively know what to do with my money, yeah. and I'm going to know when I'm not being good with it, and I'm going to know when I am. And even, and even if you don't, I'll, t- I'll tell you when you're not doing right, Donnie. Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you. you. All right, so thank you for listening to this show about money today. Uh, if you or a loved one needs information about the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program, you can give us a call at 844-263-4673 or visit our website, matthewshope.org. Thank you for listening.